0: Welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Sopto, c 70 about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds of the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. We are starting season five of Gateway here on Podbean, um, and, uh, where you can download and all that kind of fun stuff. It is actually 10 years since the show started back over on Blog Talk Radio, 10 years ago yesterday. Um Tara, it's, you know, you've been on this ride for almost that whole time. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard to believe that, you know, we've had ups and downs, and it looks like the Cardinals are back on the upswing overall. Uh, I think we're a little bit more excited about this year than we have been the last couple.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how all it takes is one name <laughs> for people to suddenly say, I'm so in love with this team. It's, everything's going to be great again. Obviously, the functionality of that is yet to be seen, but we've been saying for a long time that that's what this team was missing, right? That billboard player, the guy that was going to grab headlines, the, uh, you know, name on the marquee, the reason you come into the ballpark kind of player. And I don't say that as a disservice to Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright or Even Paul Goldschmidt at this point, there have been players along the way that were exciting to watch and that were worth the price of admission, if you will, but they weren't necessarily the names that top the list in all of baseball. And for the first time in a long time, the Cardinals have that guy. Now, he's not Mike Trout, but he is incredibly good at what he does. And he brings that level of excitement and that level of interest and the feeling of, okay, they're actually going out and trying now in a division that seems incredibly winnable. And in a season where you're trying to win people back after a weird year ahead of a year where there might be a CBA stoppage. So there's a lot of reasons to want fans to pay attention this year. And for the first time in a long time heading into spring training, that air of mystery of how's this going to play out isn't about, oh, is this guy that's really like a fourth outfielder type going to be able to come in and provide that lefty power off the bench that we always hear about, right? That's not the conversation we're having. And it's pretty cool.
0: Yes, uh, it definitely is. Um, you're obviously talking about Tyler Heineman, right? That's the right. name that yes. everybody's ex- excited about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> I thought so. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to to have that that excitement, that buzz um, going into this. And yeah, it's it's almost it's it's a it's a weird analogy to make. So that's why I'm making it. But around here, as you and I were talking, it's doesn't typically do a lot of snowing. Um, because it's always one of those situations where man, if it just gets cold enough and the rain comes at the same time, man, we'll have something and it never actually meshes up like that, you know? And it's kind of the way the Cardinals have been like, well, if we have this work and if we have that work and, and this team falls apart, then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have something. But this year, like it was today when it was like 18 degrees before it started raining, you've got all the conditions already kind of lined up for what you need. Um, And so, yeah, to to have a a lineup. Now, again, that's not saying that this team is perfect by any means, but the question marks feel a little bit smaller uh, when you put a a gold glove slugging third baseman in the mix. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know why they didn't just do this sooner. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems so simple. I don't know why they couldn't pull off the trade that fleeced the Rockies two seasons ago. I don't I don't understand man, uh, man. no, but it, it, it you're right it seems like this is such a, a simple <laughs> I say that laughingly because the contract is one of the most complicated we've seen it in terms of maintaining the present day value while shifting money and, and moving gears and eliminating opt-outs and adding them later That's actually not simple at all but the point i'm trying to make is the simplicity of adding a must-see tv kind of player to your roster is always going to generate excitement and it's always going to look like wow the pieces are in place to do something really cool now that's the excitement factor. The reality is there are still a lot of questions for this team in terms of who else is going to step up or what roles are going to be filled by players that maybe haven't had that opportunity yet. And all of those are things that we'll have plenty of time to discuss and plenty of time to adjust to. But it's been a lot of fun in the last week or so to just kind of bask in the fact that the Cardinals are not just an exciting storyline to Cardinals fans, but for the first time in a long time, they feel like an exciting story baseball-wide. And I don't know how that holds up in terms of wins and losses, because obviously Nolan Arenado cannot single-handedly win baseball games more likely than not. (laughs) 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 Um, But... It's been a long time since the Cardinals seemed to be making headlines for their fireworks in terms of bringing in a player of that sort of caliber. And that's again, I keep saying it's exciting. I keep saying it's nice to see. It's fun. It's a great way to begin a season that still has so many question marks. By watching these guys arrive at spring training to welcome Nolan Arenado to a jersey with the birds on the bat on the front and his name on the back.
0: Yeah. Now, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. The Cardinals, since we have talked last, have parted ways. One officially, one Well, both officially, but one we knew about, one we didn't, with two fairly key pieces of this team for the last couple of years. Obviously, you know, we couldn't get too far along without letting you talk about Colton Wong. And again, I know you and Alex got a chance to talk about this on Chirps this week, but Colton Wong signing with the Brewers. um, I think a lot of us had hoped maybe there would be some sort of reunion. Didn't expect it, but hoped for it. Um, Now we get to see him. 18 times a year trying to beat the Cardinals. Um, And I just know it's going to be at least two or three of those times he's going to succeed.
1: Yeah. It's man. It's hard to see this be the way that the Colton Wong story ends in St. Louis. And I say that because I know I've said this several times here. I know I've explained it on the podcast with Alex, but for anyone who hasn't heard me say this or doesn't remember it, I'm not just in Colton Wong's corner because I've become this like crazed fan girl, right? (laughs) That's not what this is for me. I'm and have been so fiercely team Colton because I've covered him for so long and not just from the perspective of we do this podcast every week and talk about him, which has its own value because look, you and I both pay more attention to baseball than most other normal human beings. So our skills of observation at this point are pretty finely tuned in our ability to discuss these things from a baseball perspective, but in my real job or what was my real job before a pandemic took sports away from me, um, Mm -hmm. I actually covered minor league baseball and had a chance to see Colton Wong quite literally from day one, the very first game he played as a professional. I was there and I was covering that team and I had a chance to interview him very early on in his career. I was just explaining this story actually just a little while ago today that the thing that made me such a fierce believer in Colton Wong was the the person that I saw, the baseball player that he became in that first season and the fact that when I talk to people who cover Colton Wong now still to this day, they say the same things and praise him for the same qualities that I saw in him from day one, right? The fact that he's so teachable, that he is such a sponge and he soaks in the wisdom and the experience of everyone around him, that he's an open book far more than a lot of other professional athletes are in the way he'll talk to you in in an interview. He's one of the most approachable professional athletes I've ever encountered. And- Add that sort of character piece to just the pure skill I saw on the baseball field. That's why I've always believed so strongly in what Colton Wong could become. And to go through an era of management that stifled that so dramatically, so obviously to so many people, and then for him to finally get a chance to show what some of us have been saying was lying underneath the surface all this time only for a couple of years later his story to move him somewhere else and that somewhere else to be milwaukee of all places it's tough it's tough to see that be the way that this story ends i think there were a lot of magical moments for colton wong there were a lot of really hard moments for colton wong that uh, allowed us to watch him grow up and become a better grown up and become a better baseball player and do all of that under the immense pressure of the microscope of being a baseball player in St. Louis. So I, you know, I could talk about this forever in a number of different, uh, on a number of different levels and with different angles and different, uh, perspectives, but Colton Wong did in St. Louis what I always hoped he would. And that was open a lot of eyes to the player that he was capable of being. And I hope that perhaps this new chapter in Milwaukee and wherever baseball takes him after that just kind of proves that point that he wasn't just good in St. Louis for a couple of years, but that he is actually the baseball player that we saw him become in the last two years and that that will be true no matter where he plays and while I hope he doesn't hit a bunch of walk-off homers <laughs> against the Cardinals, <laughs> I do hope that he continues that success because I think, you know, when you encounter someone that you're left thinking, man, he's one of the good ones, you really want the best for them. And that's what I've always felt about Colton and the way that he goes about his business. And, um, you know, I, I hope that he has the long successful career that he I think deserves based on the work ethic and the skill set and the character that he has. Even if I will forever wish <laughs> that that could have happened in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to a place where he's always hit well. Um, he's not getting hit off Milwaukee pitching, but that may be a, a minor detail. Um, and you know, I I don't know. Colton's not Tommy Pham in the idea that he needs to have this chip on his shoulder. Right. Um, But I don't think it hurts either. Um, I I think there's going to be some motivation there this year, just to, you're right to show that it's, he still got, he's still a gold glove. Great second baseman, you know, uh, a guy that can be a very integral part to a lineup. He's not the guy that's going to carry it, but he can really help your team. And so we'll see how he does in Milwaukee. I think that, you're right, I think he's gonna continue to, to be that way. I don't think we're gonna see I don't think the Cardinals let go of him because they didn't think he was a good ball player. Okay. Uh-huh. Um they let go of him because the pandemic took care of their <laughs> finances. And to be fair, you know, if they knew they were working on the Arenado deal, then you start wondering, I mean, how do all the pieces work if you do bring Colton Wong back? And granted that's you know some that's a good problem to have as we have said for a couple of years now about different things or, um but you know where do you, how do you do tommy edmond how do you do matt carpenter if you've got Colton long playing every day at second base i don't know and and i don't know if the cardinals looked forward at what they wanted to do this off season and that fed into the decision or not but uh or if it was just all financial but whatever the case milwaukee's going to get two years, maybe three, uh, out of, of Colton, and, and I don't think there'll be too many people disappointed with that. Now that was again expected. What was unexpected was Dexter Fowler going to the Angels in a late night trade that or, or at least a you know an evening trade that not, don't think anybody really saw coming. Um and I I do wonder a little bit about who Asked for the trade, whether, you know, the Cardinals came to him or he went to the Cardinals. I know there was some discussion about the fact that he wasn't going to get the playing time. Um, just a bit of a anticlimactic end to what has been a tumultuous time in St. Louis for Dexter Fowler.
1: Yeah, similarly, it's a little bit sad, just as a fan of Dexter Fowler, to see this be the way that that story ends. Although, if there's... <sighs> if there's a way to say that being traded for basically nothing was actually a better option, there is that chance, right? If Dexter Fowler came into this season and underperformed or started off slow or, you know, played even when it meant Tyler O'Neill wasn't going to play or whatever the arrangement is right there, there are still too many outfielders and not enough spots if that had been the case it might have gone right back to that nightmare scenario where Dexter Fowler was playing every day his name was written into the lineup and fans took it personally and felt personally offended by the presence of Dexter Fowler and i will be honest the way that the the fan base at least the uh vocal fan base on the internet which is admittedly not likely a great representation of the fan base as a whole, but it's what we have to work right, with right. that portion. The way that the, the fan base on Twitter, I should say has reacted to Dexter Fowler throughout his time in St. Louis is I'm going to say this and it's going to sound harsh, but it's true. It's one of the most disappointing things I remember watching happen as a fan of this team from the sense that it felt like there was an inability to separate the performance from the person. And that was really hard to watch a lot of the time with Dexter Fowler. There was a time, if you recall, I know Alex on chirps mentioned the time that Cardinals fans essentially bullied Dexter Fowler into missing his own friend's wedding to show up, not at anything like, Relevant, just winter warm up. <laughs> we're not even talking like a game or spring training or just a fan fest for for the St. Louis Cardinals. But there were other times where the the vitriol on Twitter got so problematic that he left Twitter altogether. He left social media altogether. And any situation in which the fans of a team. Force someone off of that platform that they have to connect with their fans because of their personal attacks for the performance of an athlete, that's unimaginably bad in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the way that the, the, again, like I said, the outspoken most vocal portions of the fan base often reacted to Dexter Fowler was incredibly frustrating and incredibly disheartening because I think what Dexter Fowler did in St. Louis was come in and try to be part of the community and try to be part of the team and I don't know if he really ever got the chance to experience that St. Louis Cardinals fan thing that a lot of people like to talk about as far as the relationship the players have with the fans and the, the loyalty and the support and whatever, I don't know if Dexter Fowler ever really felt that. And that is unfortunate. It's also fair to say he probably underperformed a significant amount of time in St. Louis from what the expectations were of him. Fair or not. Those were the expectations. And the reality is He was a problem a lot of the time in his inability to gain any sort of traction offensively. Um, There were injuries to consider. There were things like Mike Matheny to consider. There were all sorts of reasons for that that can sound like excuses. But I think even Dexter Fowler would probably say he didn't have the the career in St. Louis that he had hoped for that he had expected. And if in fact, he did request this trade to the angels or a trade regardless, um, because I believe he had a full no trade clause. So he Mm -hmm. would have had to approve of that wherever it was. If he did even say, look, if I'm not going to get to play on a regular basis, if I'm not an important piece of this puzzle, then I'd like to go somewhere where I can be. Um, If there's an amicable way to request a trade, (laughs) maybe that's what happened here, because it seemed like there just was not likely going to be a great end for Dexter Fowler in St. Louis. And like I said, I think Dex is an incredible person for the game of baseball to have within it. And it's it's hard to see this be the way that the, the legacy is that the story is written, I guess, for Dexter Fowler as a St. Louis Cardinal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know exactly where everything went south for Dex. Uh, I mean, coming in as a member of the world champion Chicago Cubs probably didn't help. I mean, there are fans that are going <laughs> to, you know, kind of hold that against um somebody you know again i'm not saying that held him against us but that way just makes it harder necessarily to completely embrace it especially because that first year you know there's a lot of talk about him in chicago and he gets his rings back and Mm -hmm. you know nothing wrong with that at all because that's fair and everything like that but i think there's a section of the fan base that says "Mm -hmm." you know it makes it harder for them to warm up to him sure you know, he started off his first season that first, you know, what, six, five, six weeks hitting like 180 or something of that nature, which, you know, yeah. you, the old phrase, you never get a second <laughs> chance to make a first impression. Um, uh, that didn't help. And I mean, even at the time, there was a lot of, there were a lot of people that said the the Cardinals didn't necessarily need to sign Dexter Fowler, that they felt like there were outfielders coming up. And then when Tommy Pham comes along and you know, kind of blossoms finally. Um, and then it's kind of blocked because of Dexter, who is not hitting, you know, and then of course the 2018 where he was just absolutely terrible. Um, you know, he just had, and, and again, it's not really his fault. I don't want to put it down. I don't want to sound like I'm blaming Dexter Fowler at all because I'm not. I think the fan base should have been more patient and embracing of him. Probably um, overall in any way. But it, it did. There were times where he, you know, he just kind of stumbled on the field. I don't think he ever stumbled off of it. Um, he never had any unforced errors in that regard. It just, you know, baseball's a hard game, and he ran into some bad luck and some some issues, um, you know, that weren't him. And then and, he wasn't Bryce Harper, which you yeah. know, when people are pushing for that, so. I wish it had gone better for Dexter. I think it was just a bad situation all the way around with, um, you know, forces that just kind of collided and it became a mess.
1: Yeah. And I would just add, I want to be clear in saying part of what we do as fans in our ability to discuss a team or an athlete or a result or whatever mm-hmm. is to acknowledge poor performance, right? That's right. That's fair game, but that's why I said I found that there was often an inability to separate the person Uh from Uh the player in the case of Dexter Fowler more than I've seen with other players. Not to say that Dex is the only person that's experienced that, not to say that the criticisms of his performance on the field were never valid. It just went to weird extremes in the case of Dexter Fowler, and it always felt personal, even if it was sort of... Triggered by a bad day at the plate, or striking out with the bases loaded, and you know two outs, or whatever it is, right? So the the performance factor; those are things that it's very fair to discuss and to say. Like I said, I think even Dex would say he didn't live up to the expectations he had of himself in St. Louis. Um, But like I said, that line got blurred, and it seemed to go to very strange places with the personal nature of the not just criticisms but attacks on Dexter Fowler and his family right the things that people have said about his wife the things that people have brought into the conversation about his wife's family I mean it just it got weird and it was uncomfortable to watch (laughs) from a personal standpoint while I think it's very fair to say this team might actually be better without Dexter Fowler in the mix simply because it simplifies their options and When he struggled and continued to play, it was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch Dex struggle. It was frustrating to watch a struggling Dexter Fowler stay in the lineup all the time. I get that, and I'm perfectly happy to have that conversation. But at large, the Dexter Fowler era, I don't think will even be remembered for the performance one way or the other, as much as it was the almost immediate angst of the fan base... That turned into some really unfortunate uh, displays in how they related to and saw, and uh, really kind of turned on at different points throughout that those years. Dexter Fowler and his family.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that the Cardinal fan base never put the best fans of baseball tag on themselves like, <laughs> yeah. as much as other teams base want to say that that was that's kind of been put in there by by media by other players or whatever but i do think there's a large part of the fan base that's very proud of that non-moniker mm-hmm. yeah and they're the the way the fan base reacted to dexter fowler did not live up to that at all um and again, you're right. It's it's people on Twitter. That's you know never a good place to look for rational thought. Um, <laughs> but that's what we have. And and I will say, I, as far as I know, he was never like booed at Bush Stadium um, when playing. As for, you know, yeah. I don't I don't think there was ever this you know wave of you know anti Fowler sentiment at the at the ballpark. So maybe it is just Twitter running off at their mouth but still um you know when when you're forcing players and family off of social media yeah. i mean that's and his wife was, was pretty great in social media you know yeah um and, and so it's not to them to have the no you know they you know the, the pictures of their kids and, and all that kind of stuff to, to lose a lot of that because people were so anti-fowler and you know, for what whatever reason, whether it was baseball, whether it was other issues that they should be ashamed of, um, I don't know. But, you know, hopefully Dex has a good year in L.A. You know, you're right. If he played this year and struggled, he's a free agent at the end of the year. If he's not going to get a whole lot of playing time, he needs to go someplace where he can. Otherwise, this is it. You know, kind of he's not, you know, we already see what the the market is like for older players. Um, especially ones that seem to be on the downhill of their career. Um, you know, if he just limited playing time, he's not going to have much uh, of a market. Um, so I, I understand that. And it works out, but I think you're right. It works out well for both sides because the Cardinals, we have said for three years or so now that they need to figure out what they have and they have too many outfielders and how are you <laughs> going to play everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. I mean, it, it, do you see a significant battle for playing time coming out of the spring or do you think the Cardinals are going to say it's Bader O'Neill, Carlson um, for two months and then we'll see what we got
1: you know I admittedly keep kind of forgetting about Lane Thomas <laughs> <laughs> and going into last spring training there was a, a pretty loud support system for Lane Thomas within the organization. We heard his name a lot. I think he fell behind in that conversation pretty quickly last year because the performance just wasn't there. It wasn't impressive. It wasn't consistent. He made some really bad plays in the outfield that kind of left you scratching your head. So I think he's a guy that could come in and rebound a bit from that and make an impression But otherwise, I think there's going to be some impetus, I think, to solidify that starting three, not in the sense that no one else ever plays, but in the sense that it's been a question mark for years Mm -hmm. and they finally have an opportunity to erase that question mark to some degree and give those three guys, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. Who It still blows my mind that he won a gold glove last year. I don't know how that (laughs) happened, but nonetheless, they're three very capable outfielders that maybe need to take a step up from where they have been and the consistency of knowing what their role is and expecting to play every day might help them as well as help define some of those other roles for some of the other players that then would become role players that would become bench guys that would, you know, have to take that step up in their own ability in some place other than the starting three for the St. Louis Cardinals every night. So I'm sure that there will be other names that pop up into the mix, but I would imagine there's some level of, hey, it's these three, unless someone else makes it really difficult to leave them out of the mix.
0: And and I think that, you know, I was pretty down on Thomas after last year, too, because you're right, though, there were some of those mistakes and everything. But some of the, you know, the reports we got after the season were, and I easily forgot, he had, you know, he tested positive for covid And apparently it hit him very hard. So I wonder how much the organization is going to say, you know what? We're just going to kind of toss out 2020 for you. You know, we're going to, you know, see what you can do in spring. I do think he's behind the other guys. Um, But I also don't, boy, I don't know that you rule out a situation where, you know, he has a strong spring and. O'Neal does it and O'Neill's on the bench or traded. Uh, you know, if, if everybody has a great spring, somebody may get moved at the end of spring training. I don't know, but I think you're right. I think they want to let those three run and see what they have. Um, it's also fair to say that the Cardinals, they don't have a whole lot of payroll room maybe, but they have enough to make a addition at the deadline. And if none of those outfielders are stepping up, or at least a yeah. couple of them aren't, it might be they decide it's time to go outside the organization and get somebody because, um, you know, they're just have they just aren't going to get what they thought out of Vader O'Neill or maybe Thomas.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the ability to make that decision without having to consider five or six deep (laughs) is probably going to be better than what we've seen in the last handful of years. Look, I understand the value of depth. I understand that we've seen years where they needed every bit of that depth just to survive the season. So there is some benefit of having all of those options, but we've also said before, this team took a, a path several years ago towards this idea of flexibility. And that almost, that almost kept them stuck. It almost felt like they were just treading water as a result of the air quotes flexibility they created for themselves. Because what that really meant was there weren't three guys who were the best three. It meant you had six guys that were relatively equal in talent And you didn't really know which three were your best bet. So you had to have them all available. (laughs) And we saw that both on the infield. We saw it in the outfield. We've seen it in the pitching staff. And it hasn't really turned into the strength that I think the Cardinals thought it would be when they kind of came up with this plan several years ago. So some sort of stability in that group, I think, is beneficial, although having a fourth guy... Look, Kyle Reese for a number of years has said he thinks that Harrison Bader may be best served as a fourth outfielder instead of as a starting outfielder, not in a way to take away from what Harrison Bader can do, but to say that fourth outfielder role is incredibly important in the overall function of a team. That guy needs to be incredibly skilled as well but just maybe isn't as consistent or doesn't have the offensive prowess or isn't, you know, maybe there's one part of his game that isn't starter caliber, but the rest of his game can come in and save the day at the end of games or in a a start to give somebody a break or whatever it is. I understand that completely. The fifth or sixth outfielder (laughs) is where you start to muddy the waters a bit. And It's I feel like a broken record a bit because I think we've said this every offseason maybe since I started doing this show. I'm not really sure, (laughs) (laughs) but there were too many guys for not enough spots and there just hasn't been a great example of how to handle that. I, I don't think and maybe that's because the talent pool that is there hasn't really generated that standout group. That made it very obvious, but they've also had a number of players that went off somewhere else and and found success. So their selection of who those outfielders are hasn't always been spectacular either. They're hoping to eliminate or, or reverse course a bit on getting rid of the wrong outfielders, which may have, in fact, led to the Dexter Fowler situation because, if anything, they know who Dexter Fowler is. They know what he's capable of. They know what he's done in St. Louis. They know what he's not. They don't know that about all these other guys, and I think they'd like to find out before they trade one of those pieces off to gain something that they might need at the deadline and then get beat by that guy in the playoffs.
0: Right. Right, that's the way it works. <laughs> and, you know, and we told, we talk about the fact that they lost Dexter Fowler, and it cleared up a little bit. They still go, you know, you still have Austin Dean in that mix. Which, granted, he's probably yeah. not a starter type. But you know, if you're going to try to put him on the bench, uh, you know, you still got to work him in somewhat. We didn't see a lot of him last year because of COVID. Um, and then Justin Williams, who is out of options, right. came over in the in the. Um, Tommy Pham traded. We still haven't seen a lot from him either. I mean, if the Cardinals are going to do anything, you know, he's going to have with him without just you know letting him go or trading him. He's going to have to be on the roster. So, um, and then of course, then they go out and sign another outfielder to a minor league (laughs) deal today. And and Matt, these are a former Cub. Um, You know, that's again, a guy that probably (laughs) is just insurance, but still there's still depth there, even with the loss of Fowler.
1: Yeah, there is, and, and Justin Williams is one that I almost mentioned when you said, "Is anybody gonna step up and be a surprise?" Uh, because he is someone that I think, if if the Lane Thomas fanfare has faded a bit and the opportunity is more open than perhaps it was last spring training, I know some some people who are. I don't know, as high on Justin Williams as, you know, say those other three that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, but as an option, as a guy that could step up and be one of those that, that finally gets that chance and makes the most of it. So he would definitely be someone that it would be fun to see how many heads he could turn this spring. If he comes in uh, just absolutely ready to, um, you know, set off some fireworks.
0: Yeah. And we'll get to find out that really, really soon. The Cardinals have pitchers and catchers reporting on Wednesday, um, which is the perfect antidote to Tara's negative wind, uh, negative air <laughs> temperatures, uh, and our which may actually be negative wind chills down here um, this week. Um, so, uh, hopefully. We'll get to see a lot. We, Alan and I talked with Brendan Schaefer this week on Meet Me at Mutual, and they're still trying to figure out how the media is going to cover spring training. But hopefully, we'll get to see some videos, some pictures, or something because that always seems to warm up when you see these guys running around in Jupiter. Uh, makes you feel like the winter is actually going to finish at some point in time. And as far as we know, knock on every sort of wood, um, you know, the season will start on time at the beginning of April and we'll be off and running.
1: Yeah. There's, I feel like a lot of hesitance to trust that the season is going <laughs> to go according to plan. I think we watched it all fall apart very quickly last year because of COVID. And while, while, there are reasons to be optimistic about both baseball and the progress in the combating of COVID. There's still a long way to go. And I think it's still fair to have some concerns and to watch with a bit of a critical eye as far as how they handle things and and how the protocols are actually implemented. And I did note in those health and safety protocols that came out, whereas last year it was sort of a free for all, like, Hey, come Mm -hmm. up with your own plan for codes of conduct for your players. This time they didn't leave it up to teams because that didn't go so well. And uh, they basically said, well, you didn't do it yourselves. So here's what the code of conduct is now for all of you (laughs) collectively. And they listed some very specific things as well as allowed for fines or suspensions or things of that nature, which they didn't do last year. And that seemed to be coming from more the the. Players' association side of things, which makes sense, but I think they all would like to avoid some of the situations they uh, ran into last year, both in St. Louis and and with the Marlins, particularly that would, you know, maybe the the possibility of a fine or the possibility of a suspension written right into the protocols <laughs> will ward off anyone's um, attempts to kind of circumvent the rules and and play. a a different game than everyone has already agreed to. So hopefully that works. Hopefully we get baseball, um, on, on more of a normal schedule than we got last year. Whatever they end up doing with fans will be interesting. I will be watching from home (laughs) as they initiate some of that, because I, I still have my questions about the, um, my ability. We talked last year about how teammates were going to have to trust each other to not break the rules. Uh, my trust level with other humans is yeah. not always not always real high. So uh, we'll we'll have to see how that works as as these things start to go into place. But you're right. My uh, the high the high temperature for me today was negative uh, two. So I am ready to see something that looks warm, even if I can't physically access it at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say, I know, again, I understand it's, you've had time and all that, but a couple of those health and safety issues felt like a little bit like, okay, let's close the barn door um, <laughs> now that it doesn't matter. Because, again, I know that there's, there's still obviously a lot of risk and things of that nature, but, you know, we, you're right cases are declining there are vaccines out there it's very possible that i don't you know these guys could be vaccinated within the first month or so of the season maybe i don't know how it's all going to work out but um but what you were saying there about the fines and everything but also the uh the fact that this year they could bring up pitchers and things like that and not have to add them to the 40 man roster right you know, outbreak would have been really convenient for the Cardinals last year. Um, <laughs> something that they could have really used. Um, but, you know, and then probably nobody will have to deal with it this year. That's just the kind of the way mm-hmm. that's kind of the way baseball is. So of course. <laughs> yeah. Tara and I will be back with you maybe next week to talk about some of those pictures and sites of Florida, uh depending on schedules. Um, but we will be back sometime soon talking about cardinal baseball so until then that's tara i'm daniel good night
1: hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show if you liked what you heard you can find us on itunes just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe while you're there feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review and tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven